0: Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray. Lord, you are God. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God that is made of wood or clay or stone. No, you are the true and living God. We did not create you. You created us, and You love us. And part of the evidence of Your love for us is that You would communicate with us. And so, Lord, as we now turn to Your Word that we believe is absolutely true, we pray that You would speak to our hearts, that You would transform us by the renewing of our minds, that You would show us Jesus, and You would make us more like Him. So, we ask Your blessing this day, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have to tell you, I have a lot to tell you. And again, I'm going to have to spread it out over the course of a lot of weeks, and I'm so excited to do that. Um, I think you need to go to the Holy Land. And I am assured of that, having now been there, I think everyone who trusts and follows Jesus and even those who aren't sure just yet need to go to the place where it all happened. Because what happens is your paradigm will shift. You will see before you a new context that that, that you you can't possibly wrap your mind around until you're immersed in it. And what God does through that experience is just unbelievable. It really is. It's like taking a sip from a fire hose. You know what I I mean? It's just so much. And you can't process it all, and so you come back and you're just, you're kind of processing. it. Yesterday, I was going through my daily Bible reading, and I was sick for a day after we got back, and so I was a day behind. And, but I was reading Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And our feet are within your gates, O Jerusalem. And I remembered that a week ago, I read that in Jerusalem within the gates. And I was glad to be there. I'm going to tell you, it just opens up a whole new world of understanding the context of the Word of God and understanding the work of God. So over the next several weeks, I want to show you some of the places where we've been and maybe share some of the things we learned along the way. Today, I want to invite you to go with me to a place called Qasr al-Yahud, Qasr al-Yahud. And this is on the front of your bulletin. That's a picture I took with my iPhone right there. Isn't that great? that's the Jordan River. You say, wow, it doesn't look like much. It looks like a muddy river uh, in the desert. And pretty much, that's what it is. That's, that's about a 10K away from Jericho. All right? So, those of you who are runners, I can assure you, you might enjoy running a 10K here. You would not enjoy running a 10K through the Judean wilderness. I have new respect for the people who wandered 40 years in the wilderness. And new respect for God, because. He knew how to get their attention, my goodness. Uh, I wouldn't want to wander in the Judean wilderness for 40 minutes, much less 40 years. But when you come upon Jericho, you see it's an oasis. There's a spring there, and it's green. Everything else is brown. So you understand why Jericho is the oldest city in the world. But this place is special, Kasr al-Yahud, because traditionally, this is where people believe Jesus was baptized. Now we had a baptism service, and it was beautiful, but this, this site was not where we did our baptism service because of some geopolitical issues back around 1967. They moved and developed a site just south of the Sea of Galilee called Yardenit, where pilgrims come and, and reaffirm their faith by way of baptism. So you're still in the Jordan River, but it doesn't look like this. It's clear and kind of greenish and beautiful and lush. But this is where Jesus came in the Judean wilderness. And John the Baptist baptized him. We're standing on the Israeli side, and if you look across the water, that's Jordan. And so, there's a Jordanian side, and people come, and they're baptized in this water. But that's not the only amazing thing that happened here. Traditionally, it's also believed that this is where Elijah crossed over. Remember when he rolled up his cloak and hit the water, and the the water parted? And then he and Elisha went across on dry ground, and then the, the fiery chariots of heaven came and picked up Elijah and took him to heaven? Well, they believe this is where that happened as well. But what I really want to focus on as we look at Kassar yahud is something that happened even before then, back in Joshua. So, I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 14. If you're in the, re- in the room, the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that's page 179. But today I want to talk to you about spiritual landmarks. This is a significant place for all of us who trust and follow Jesus because several events happened here that are key to our understanding our faith and what it means to live it out. We experienced that over this trip. This trip was a spiritual landmark. So many moments where God showed up and showed Himself in new and fresh and exciting and touching and life-changing ways. Have you ever mapped your spiritual landmarks across the journey of your life? I never really thought of it that way before, but I was challenged to do that at a retreat a lot of years ago, and it was so eye-opening. I look back at moments like when I was three, and I went to the Cumberland Presbyterian Church for the first time, and I I got to be in Sunday school with Kristen Donnelly. She's here today. Hi, Kristen. Kristen Phillips. And I don't remember much, but I remember the room, and I remember the cookies, the, the flower-shaped cookies with the hole in the middle that you put one on each, you remember? And the red punch, because they didn't know that red dye made kids really hyper then, so they just gave us a bunch of it and wondered what was wrong with us. But that's where they started to teach me about Jesus loving me. When I was 12, at the New Song Christian Festival, music festival at Camp Lucon in Litchfield, Kentucky. Where I heard and understood, it finally got through my thick head the message of the gospel, and that night I repented of my sin and received Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's my most significant spiritual landmark. But over the course of life, moments of rededicating my life to Christ, moments of God getting my attention, moments of my turning yet again to trust and follow Jesus, moments of, of great joy and moments of great sorrow these are all spiritual landmarks. Well, this sight Mark's spiritual landmarks. So look with me at what happened at this site We're in Joshua chapter 3, God's people have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses was their leader. He's now dead. Joshua's in charge now, and they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan to take possession of the land that God promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the tribes on down through slavery in Egypt to Moses, and now the promise has come to Joshua, and they're going to cross over. But even to cross over, they're going to have to have God's miraculous intervention. So look what happens. Joshua chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. sea were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Let me give you our theme if you're taking notes. God gives us spiritual landmarks along our path so that we remember His faithfulness and teach others to trust Him. God gives us spiritual landmarks along our path so that we remember His faithfulness and teach others to trust Him. And then the first point is this. It's pretty simple. God does great things in our lives. How many of you would agree with that? God does great things. I mean, these people who are getting ready to cross over the Jordan, they've been sustained by the hand of Almighty God. They ate manna. They went and picked up breakfast in the morning. Holy Frosted Flakes picked it up, and ate it. They drank water from a a flinty rock. They even had quail come in that they could capture. God sustained them. Their clothes and their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. God had done great things. And now, to deliver the promise He had made so many centuries ago, He was going to do yet another great thing, he was going to cause the waters of the Jordan, which at this time were at flood stage, so it's not that little three meter creek that you see in my picture, it's this vast, raging torrent. And their crossing that body of water on dry ground would be just as miraculous as their crossing over the Red Sea on dry ground. And what happened? God broke the laws of nature, the laws of physics, and what did they do? They passed through by God's intervention to the other side, and they did it on dry ground. Well, God's going to call them to remember that. Look with me now at chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. Our second point. God calls us to remember what he has done. God calls us to remember what he has done. What is God telling The people are representative from each tribe to do. He's telling them to walk into a dry creek bed that's not miry, muddy, and gross. A supernaturally dry creek bed, and each of y'all pick up a rock. Why? Because they might forget, as they had been prone to do, as had their ancestors that God had moved in supernatural ways to bring them to where they were. They are a lot like you and me. How many of you can say, God has done great things for me? And how many of you can be prone to forget the great things He had done, particularly when a new challenge comes? And so what was God instructing them to do? Go get rocks, and you're going to stack these rocks up And they're not just any rocks, these are special rocks. These are rocks that came from a dry creek bed that was supernaturally dry. And every time you look at them, you're going to remember that your God is faithful. You know, you may not have a pile of rocks, but I bet you have something that reminds you in your life of different moments when God was faithful. I went through my office just this morning. And thinking about what are the memorials that I have. And it turns out everything in my office, it turns out is a memorial to a moment when God was faithful. Because everything has a story. It's not just about the thing. It's about the story. And the story is always about how God was faithful when things got tough. How God was faithful when I didn't know it would turn out. How God was faithful when I felt very scared and very alone and very unsure. God was faithful. God is calling them to remember. Why? Because, like you and me, they were prone to forget. And so, get the rocks out of the dry creek bed. You're going to pile them up, and it's just going to look like a pile of rocks to everybody else. But in your heart, you'll know it's not just a pile of rocks you'll know I moved to deliver you and to bring to pass the promise that I made to you so many years ago. Look with me again at verse 6, the second half of it. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever." Our third and final point, God calls us to tell future generations what He has done. So the purpose of these stones was not just for the people who were walking through the dry creek bed with water piled up before them. Yeah, they were to help them remember, but they were to do more than that. When your children ask you in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them. You shall tell them how I supernaturally intervened in your life and brought you through a a situation that looked absolutely impossible. You shall tell them how my power was revealed in my love for you as I brought you through into the promise that I had made so many years ago. One of my favorite things to do is to tell people the stories that are associated with the things that sit on the shelves in my office. Because everything has a story. And every story has a main character. You know who the main character is of every single one of those stories? It's Almighty God. What memorials do you have in your life? Maybe you're wearing them. I mean, I wear, I wear certain pieces of jewelry because it helps me remember what … This, this ring. I got this ring for graduating with a PhD. And I don't wear this ring because I have a PhD, who cares? I wear, when, I wear, when I look at this ring, I remember a moment before my, my last and final comprehensive exam, Dr. Dear. They, they do this. They make you take finals halfway through. No notes, and all you have to know is everything you've ever studied for the entire program from memory. And I'd come through two days of those things, and I was getting ready to have my third and final day and I felt less prepared. And so I was in a hotel in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was standing outside, pacing and talking on the phone with my wife in tears because I just knew it was over, I was going to fail, they were going to kick me out, they were finally going to understand I didn't belong there. My wife, with all the love in her heart, said, honey, calm down, be quiet, trust God, and go to bed. I did, and God was faithful. What memorials do you have in your life? What power is associated with those memorials, not because of the things that they are, but because of the story that they tell? What power could you communicate into someone's life simply by telling them the story of the memorial? Tanya signed last week, two weeks ago, told the story of how God had been faithful through those boys that are sitting around her. She's got some great boys in her life. But through a church family, through her family, through this community, and Tanya, by telling that story, you encourage others you'll never meet until glory, who are now beginning their journey, wondering, will God be faithful they listen to you. And just by your sharing your story, you told them God's faithful every time. This trip was a landmark moment for all of us who were part of it. But we all who trust and follow Jesus have landmark moments to which we return. Find a memorial for those moments so that you remember and then tell the story to help somebody else. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270